This podcast represents my opinion and the opinion of my guests. This is not medical advice, and I am not establishing a patient-physician relationship with any listener. The content here should not be taken as medical advice. The content here is for informational purposes only. And because each patient is so unique, please consult your healthcare professional for any medical questions you may have. Welcome, welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Not Your Doc podcast. I'm your host, Vanessa, and I'm here with our producer, Seth, again today in the Midwest Institute for Hearts and Minds Studios. And um, Dr. Tadros, Mr. Not Your Doc himself, has another special guest for us today. I am extremely excited about this guest, our first addiction specialist that we've had on the pod. So, Dr. Tadros, will you take it away and introduce your friend to us, please? Yeah. Well, uh, hi, everybody. Thank you. Thank you, Vanessa. Art Taka, Arturo Taka, is a, is, a, is a local psychiatrist, but also a colleague, somebody that we refer to that I call for advice. And so I'm going to just introduce him. Uh, welcome, Art. Uh, Dr. Taka is currently medical director of In Synergy Treatment Program in St. Louis, Missouri. He's a psychiatrist and addictionologist. Dr. Taka is triple board certified in general psychiatry. It's like a triple threat in, in, <laughs> in performance. Uh, he's he is in, board certified in uh, general psychiatry, addiction medicine, and preventative medicine. He completed medical school at uh, University of East Manila in the Philippines and general psychiatry training at St. Louis University. Dr. Taka served, uh, is, is serving his second term as president of the American Society of Addiction Medicine uh, and um, the West Chapter, and previously served as chairman of the Addiction Committee of the Missouri Psychiatric Physicians Society. Along with providing innovative addiction management services, he is provider of transcranial magnetic stimulation, what we all hear as TMS, for uh, treatment-resistant depression and obsessive-compulsive disorders. Dr. Taka is adjunct instructor at St. Louis University School of Medicine, and he continues to teach medical students and residents interested in psychiatry and addiction medicine. I just want to add a couple of other things. He's also medical director of Restore Brain TMS and also a TMS provider, transcranial magnetic stimulation provider at Greenbrook TMS uh, here in St. Louis. Welcome. Art. Thanks for having me, Dr. Tadros. Thank you for making time. Of course, of course, for you. I I just realized after listening that I'm I'm doing too many things. Yeah, Yeah, you're doing a lot of things. (laughs) If anybody ever wants, Art will be happy to send you his multi-page CV, (laughs) CV, just to impress the rest of of you. But but Art, actually, uh, despite all these and not even a fraction of the other things that he's done over the many years, um, and he's even younger than I am, because uh, I could tell when you graduated from undergrad. You don't uh, say. Yeah, <laughs> that that Art is a really good psychiatrist. He's a good hands-on. He's not just a he's not just a, a stand back acad- academic type, but he's a very good, kind, hands-on type of uh, addiction specialist and psychiatrist. So well, thank welcome. you, thank you very much. Thanks for having me. Yeah, yeah absolutely. So will you tell us a little bit about yourself? Just, you know, kind of what, what you're into, maybe where you're from, just whatever yeah, you'd like to tell sure. us Yeah, sure. That's, that's a, a story in itself. Yeah. Sure. Uh, I was born in the Philippines. Yeah. In, in uh, Manila. Mm-hmm. And um, my uh, parents, um, well, my, my grandparents were in uh, government. Mm. They weren't politicians, but they were veterinarians. Okay. But they were head of departments. They were, uh, head, the, my grandmother. Uh, mother was the head of the Manila Zoo, 
And uh, my grandfather established something called the Veterinary Inspection Board, sort of like the USDA. You know, uh-huh. they would inspect wow. all the meats and things yeah. like that. So they got close to a lot of politi- politicians, obviously. Um, late 60s, there was a person, a very bright young politician who uh, became president, uh, Ferdinand Marcos. Yeah. Uh, Unfortunately, power got to his brain and mm-hmm. wanted to stay in power mm-hmm. and became the dictator. Mm-hmm. And so what he did was he uh, uh, jailed all of his um, uh, opposition, wow. uh, yeah. whatever, the other party, yeah. right? Yeah. We were, unfortunately, on the other party, right? yeah. sort of like yes. the uh, Republicans, Democrats. Sure. You know, so. And we were close to one very popular senator, uh, Benigno Aquino. He was mm-hmm. a family friend. And he was number one. He was probably going to be the next president of the, of the Philippines, but he jailed him first. Yeah. And uh, then became en- enemy number one. That's right. Okay. And yeah. um, anybody associated with the Liberal mm-hmm. Party mm-hmm. or Benigno Aquino was also investigated, uh, uh, arrested, tortured, wow. possibly killed. Yeah. Yeah. My father was arrested because of our, our close uh, mm-hmm. association with the Aquino family. And. Uh, um, fortunately he was, he was released, mm-hmm. but after that, I, you know, me and my brothers, uh, my, my father said it was just too, uh, too dangerous for, 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 for us to stay. So we, we migrated here and we were, um, we applied for a political asylum mm-hmm. and we were granted a political asylum. Wow. My grandparents lost their positions, obviously, mm-hmm. and, um, and stayed in the Philippines. But, uh, my, my father, we migrated here and uh, he uh, got a, uh, a position, a training position at the old Homer G. Phillips Hospital, sure, if you know yes, where that is, state hospital, yeah, um, sure. as a urologist. And he didn't want to be a urologist. And back then, he, you know, the foreign graduates couldn't pick and choose. Mm-hmm. They, and well, they the just only, assigned you a specialty? Well, the only things that was left over, believe it or not, wow. at that mm-hmm. time was surgical specialties okay. for some reason. Okay. And he wanted to be just a regular uh, internist. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But uh, urology was available. He took it mm-hmm. and he became a great uh, urologist. Um, but uh, that's how we came here. And he continued to, um, I guess, uh, be be active in, in um, political... Uh, movements against the dictatorship, mm-hmm, and he did. Mm-hmm. He was very active in 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 um, I guess uh, supporting this opposition mm-hmm. here in the states, wow. and he was as busy. He was busy as busy doing that as an activist than as, as he a, was a doctor. As a wow, so um, and then um, I don't know if you know much about what happened. So um, Benigno Aquino was released uh, to, uh, from from prison. And allowed to come to the states for a heart surgery. Wow! And my dad was really instrumental because he was uh, lobbying the, the senators sure. here and said, "Hey, you've got to release, uh, you know, the political uh, um, prisoner." And uh, Marcos allowed him to uh, come to to to, um, to Dallas, mm-hmm. get the surgery he needed. Mm-hmm. And the deal was he had to go back to the Philippines, go back to jail, right. and be executed. That was the deal. Wow! I mean, it doesn't make yeah. sense, right? No. So no. he, <laughs> but um. He said, "No, I'm not. I don't. I don't make a deal with the devil." So he stayed here for three years, stayed with us, and uh, he got a fellowship at Harvard and MIT in international um, uh, politics, wow. and stayed here for three years, and then went back to the Philippines because he thought that he would be best uh, sir. He would be best mm-hmm. served as a as a voice of the opposition. Mm. When he um, Even landed, if he was in prison. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's mm-hmm. where he was. He was planning to go straight to jail, and wow. uh, he was. He was. Uh, 
uh, brought to the um, uh, he, he, was, he took a commercial flight uh, mm-hmm. back back home and he was arrested on the spot mm-hmm. with uh, policemen and soldiers and they assassinated him right there on the tarmac. Yeah. Wow. So I don't know if, if, if you remember that it was 1983, I believe. And then um, uh, that started the groundswell of you know protest and which led to the what, they, what we call the EDSA revolution in 86. Wow. Mm-hmm. A bloodless revolution where um, the opposition you know protested in the streets, shut the whole country down. Yeah. And the widow of Benigno Aquino, mm-hmm was uh, elected president. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. So after the change of governments, we were, uh, you know, refugees. So we had to go back to the Philippines mm-hmm. because technically mm-hmm. we were just, you know, uh, political, political president. Yeah. And um, when we got there, it was just terrible. I was 16 years old, 15, yeah. 16 years old. I'm like, oh my gosh, yeah. this is a terrible, you know, I grew up here, my yes. formative years. Yeah. And I I said, oh man. And so my, my father saw that and, and said, you know, he was offered some some positions in government, but you know, nothing close to what a, a surgeon could make here in yeah. the United States. So he uh, he negotiated a a kind of plan where he continued his political work here, and and was able to practice here. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. he was um, uh, given a, a a spot, a position at the United Nations mm-hmm. for one peso a year for all wow. his work. Mm-hmm. So wow. basically, it was just a honorary position but it allowed mm-hmm. him to, to stay here mm-hmm. and continue to work with the philippine government mm-hmm. and, uh, and for you guys to and stay for here us to stay and here and enjoy, enjoy and, stuff sure, yeah. but uh, i ended up going back to medical school there because yeah. it, was, it was you know we had a lot of support and um and uh, ended up coming back here i met my wife i brought my wife back here she was my classmate uh-huh. and uh now we're here we're back we're back here and you know we go we travel back and forth as much as we can the story said this is my high school this is during my high school years and right after my high school years so i remember bits and pieces and now uh it's more clear it's uh once again we need people who've lived it in order to teach our, our kids because oh yeah it, it's, it's much more memorable than what's on a paper or what's on the newspapers thousands of miles away so wow yeah that's dramatic. yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's so incredible. that's yeah, that was kind of my story. Yeah. Okay, so let's kind of Why fast forward to yeah. you know psychiatry and addiction. What you know, sort of what has what spawned your interest in psychiatry, and then talk tell us a little bit. I love about... this story. I love this question because yeah. in in medical school, um, if you can imagine, I don't know if you can imagine, but medicine in, in third world countries are it's totally different. Yes, you know yeah. you, we. We have people to, don't realize this, but it's very true. It, it's totally different. Yes. I mean, we don't have. You know, sometimes we had to pay for our. You know, as a medical student, I had to pay for my patients' yeah. blood test because they didn't have any money. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we're like, okay, I'll take care of it. Don't worry, we need this this blood test. So you, and, and we we uh, emphasized physical exams. Mm-hmm. You know, we had to really listen and mm-hmm. touch and feel and look at the patient, right. and smell the patient. I mean, we use every sense, right? Because we didn't have MRIs. We because that's have. what those are free resources. Right. Or, yeah. right. It was your brain. Yeah. yeah. Right. Okay. So wow. I go through medical school and everything, nothing really appealed to me. Internal medicine, surgery, mm-hmm. OB, just like nothing was like whatever. Uh, psychiatry was not even on my on the radar. <laughs> yeah. it, it, was con- it was considered to be like, a just you know a, a a kind of a vacation you just a softer specialty, softer specialty right? right yeah right? and especially we didn't have a lot of therapeutics especially mm-hmm. in in a third world country right um and they don't do a good job um it's cultural all over the world yes. they don't mm-hmm. talk about their feelings they don't mm-hmm. talk about depression they don't, you know it's mm-hmm. more of a moral failing right mm-hmm. yes so what we saw in the units were really sick 
uh, you know, psychopathology. They're here, really, here, really bad. Here in the States? No, in the here, Philippines. In Philippines. So oh, when you saw when schizophrenic, you, remember, you saw schizophrenic that was, was not treated blown, for yeah. years. Yeah, you full know? blown. It, there's yeah. no early intervention. Yes. So it was my uh, first day uh, on my last rotation. And um, we would take our patients at six in the morning, get, get the patients up, bring them to the parking lot and exercise. Mm-hmm. We would do jumping yeah. jacks, right? Mm-hmm. So I was assigned to this patient. And this patient was floridly psychotic mm-hmm. and got into my face and it was just totally delusional and, and, and uh, threatening and just, the, mm-hmm. just saying all these kind of paranoid things. And before I could say, holy, holy shit, what the yeah, hell is going right. on here? He was taken away and into the dark halls of our psych ward wow. by, the, by the psych techs. And wow. I'm like, what the hell was that? Yeah. What kind of sickness? I mean, I knew mm-hmm. it was a, an illness. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, it's mm-hmm. a, is it a brain thing? Is it a... Uh, well, you know, and I'm like, wow, I, 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 I cannot explain what happened. Yeah. Okay. So, so a couple days later, um, we're doing exercise and that same person comes out completely normal. Mm-hmm. I mean, at that time I, 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 I had a conversation with this, with this person and ended up, uh, a very, uh, he, he went to college and I think mm-hmm. it was an accountant or something. Mm-hmm. He had a psychotic break. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, he was telling me about his, um, his, his family and his education. I said, oh, my God, what, what happened to you? He goes, I, you know, I don't remember, but I, they gave me some shots, yeah. and I feel, I feel fine now. Mm-hmm. And, and that appealed to me, wow. the, the mystery of what just happened. I mean, in surgery, you cut things out, you're fixed. Yep. In, in, in internal medicine, you look at the labs, you can, you can, you can change things. In, in OB, you, you catch the baby and yes. everybody's happy, right? <laughs> I could not explain what happened. Mm-hmm. That just, that mystery appealed to me. And I'm, I, suddenly I'm like, tell me more. What, what, what therapeutic, what, you know, we did ECT bedside there yeah. mm-hmm. without anesthesia. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. And, I, yeah. Uh, Art is talking about stuff that our, our, our patients, have, our, our listeners have never, ever heard. Yeah. Can't, can't even imagine. Of course. Uh, some of this is movie-like. Uh, what, oh, yeah. uh, but for Art, uh, it's, it's, uh, these are dramatic, dramatic. Yeah. And unfortunately, it's too, all too common yeah. uh, in other countries. And also back in the 50s and before in mm-hmm. the States. Uh, we True. Had, yeah, we had it. That's... Uh, that's uh, that's developing world medicine, and uh, we had, that's what we were back in the fifties and before. Mm-hmm. These are uh, this is unbelievable. But so the and for us the black box, the brain was a black box. Mm-hmm. I mean everything else we could figure out the heart arteries, we could right. figure out like you said enzymes, all sorts of stuff for, for body parts. But this was a uh, this was kind of a kind of a it was more of an art than a science yeah, for many yeah. for many hundreds if not thousands of years. Right, 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 yeah. right. And and we're still catch we're trying to catch up. Right, I mean, we are. We're still Certainly. psychiatry is still kind of kind of lagging in a lot of ways it does you know right. but we're not we're not as mature as our, our our but art actually is probably one of the more advanced uh, practitioners because of some of the stuff that he does and we're going to be talking about yeah absolutely yeah so can you tell us a little bit more about so you come back to the states you're practicing in psychiatry did you start your addiction specialty before, while you're still in manila or when well when, yeah when you work so with my, exp- here? my experience in at st louis university mm-hmm. i was uh you know uh, was the chief resident there, mm-hmm. and we were uh, in charge of the education experience for our residents and our, our medical students. Mm-hmm. And uh, for substance abuse, if somebody came into the ER drunk or suicidal or you know something substance use, they would call us, mm-hmm. and they said, "There's somebody who's intoxicated. Right. You, you got to staff the, the the patient." And what we would do was first assess for, for safety or medical stability, and then we would discharge the patient with a piece of paper. 
um, asking them to follow up uh, with, you know, groups and sure. things like that. And it was, I, I thought it was just a piss poor yeah. attempt to get these people help. So that you de- detoxified them. No, no, we didn't. We just, we just said, yeah, if they didn't require inpatient care, we would de- detox them. Right. And they, and we would say, okay, do some, some groups. There's some AA stuff here. There's, there's some people who, who, uh, specialize in, in addiction, mm-hmm. uh, but it was, I, I didn't think it was, I, th- I thought they did deserve more, more yeah. of a medical approach. Yeah. Uh, like here's a medicine right. here, right. here is, right. uh, evidence-based therapies for this. Yeah. Uh, this is the early 2000s? Or, yeah, or, yeah. Early 2000, yeah. 2002. Yeah. And, um, and so I, I, I searched and searched and I, I discovered, Hey, there's a medicine for cravings. Did you mm-hmm. know that? Mm-hmm. And no, you know, my, my, my department wasn't very uh, supportive of right. it because shocking, everybody, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so shocking. I went to the community and I found this, um, this clinic that just had started. Um, there was a, there was a, um, a pharmacist, uh, from India mm-hmm. and he was a med rep for a company that made nal- naltrexone mm-hmm. when it was, um, so when it became, um, uh, unbranded and generic, mm-hmm. he, he thought he could make a business out of it and say, Hey, we're going to, we're going to make a mm-hmm. business, uh, around naltrexone, the molecule. Mm-hmm. So I said, why don't you come to the, to the department, talk about naltrexone? Cause it sounds like you're, you're very, you know, um, mm-hmm. uh, uh, you understand the molecule sure. and you can teach us something. And so he came in and he taught us about naltrexone and, um, I was interested in his clinic, and and we started a, a relationship wherein the residents and medical students went to to this clinic, provided psychiatric care, and he taught us about naltrexone and addiction and all sorts of stuff. So it was a nice um, mm-hmm. a nice experience. And then when I graduated, he asked me to be the medical director. So mm-hmm. I immediately uh, started uh, functioning as a medical director to an addiction clinic. Wow! And so we teamed up uh, for several years. And learned a lot from him, and and then um, I opened up my own clinic, yeah. and I just kind of expanded from there. That's pretty incredible. And, and that clinic is still open. It's this called Arca. Arca. Yeah. yeah, Assisted Recovery Centers yeah. of America. Yeah, and they do great work. Yeah. They still do great work. And a lot of it's outpatient. They don't have any inpatient. Uh, they used to, but I, I don't think they. Yeah, it's, think. yeah, they used to. Yeah. And you started. Was yours initially called In Synergy from right at the beginning? No, it was. It was something. It was called something else. It was called the an Institute of Neur, um, uh, Integrated Neuroscience. I'm sorry, mm-hmm, sure. Integrated Neuroscience. Sure. It was too long, yeah. so it had a but INS still INS. Stays that's right. Like that's that, right. Yeah. 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 All right, cool. Yeah. And the names imply what kind of what what kind of therapies or what kind of Yeah, the, so the term synergy obviously uh refers to power of many parts to have a unified greater power. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So all of these things we put together. The so sum is greater than the, the individual. A- absolutely. Right. So we take uh principles from psychiatry, from psychology, from pain medicine. Mm-hmm. Uh, we we do a lot of sleep uh, mm-hmm. studying, we do genetics. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, we try to get things that are evidence-based and incorporate it in, 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 into our recipe that, mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. we feel that could be helpful for our mm-hmm. patient's experience. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, some people think, you know, when they come to our clinic, they're going to, 
learn about addiction. They'll learn about addiction, but a lot of times it's just a fancy mood disorder clinic or, mm. or a fancy uh, mm-hmm. ADHD clinic. And if you don't recognize those things, Absolutely. you can't, your batting average is not going to be. Yes. Yeah, that's right. We yeah. say this all the time. Ketamine in our clinic is just a small tool. Yeah, absolutely. There's a lot of stuff that, mm-hmm. that if you've thought you've had therapy, I tend to recommend different type of therapy, all sorts mm-hmm. of stuff. But absolutely, you need a, a whole, it's a whole, yeah. A, yeah. a whole armamentarium yeah. of stuff to yeah. help people out. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. So, um, so I'd like to pick up with a question. Actually, I, I think it's really interesting how. Um, you know, learning about naltrexone was so, uh, mm-hmm. was very interesting and integral to sort of your understanding of the treatment of addiction. Um, it, it seems like right around that time and even still like in the recovery community, there's kind of a divide on whether or oh, not yeah. medication assisted rehab and recovery is real recovery. Like it's right. treating one addiction for right. another. So what it, what's your, what are your thoughts around that? And how do you frame that up to patients well, and their families? Back. Let yeah. me jump back. I want to make sure you remember that question, but I want to make sure about some of the terms about addiction sure. and some of the okay, other yes, things. Sure, okay, yes, please. Because sometimes, um, not as with opioid crisis, et cetera, everything's an addiction. You're addicted right. to, to, right. to, to cocaine as like mm-hmm. like candy. Mm-hmm. So can you talk about just what, what are addictions? And sure. Certainly they coexist with a lot of everything yeah. else known to mankind, right, right, right. mental health and stuff like so that. So we're trying to get away from using the term addiction uh-huh. now just because of its uh, pejorative nat- you know, right. message and feeling, yeah. right? So Negative you don't want to call somebody an addict right. or I'm a- addicted. We're trying to use terms like substance use uh, disorder. disorder. Right. right. Mm-hmm. And then we can determine is it mild, moderate, severe. Mm-hmm. And based on our DSM criteria, how many check marks you have, then you can you can call it, uh, I've got an opiate use disorder, severe, right? Okay. And all these uh, mm-hmm. these these check marks uh, refer to how, how much disability you have with family work and social. Uh-huh. And then, and then it, 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 for the first time, craving has been uh, included yes. in the definition of, uh, you know, substance use disorder. That's very interesting. Historically, yeah. we used to have uh, terms like dependence mm-hmm. um, yeah. and abuse, and, abuse and, and, okay. and, and which one, yeah, right, misuse. Right. I, I think generally, um, it, we we refer to quote, and we still use addiction. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, it, it's when the, it, addiction the, the the brain is the the organ of the dysfunction. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and mm-hmm. so when you have a dysfunctional brain, and what does the brain do? It helps with behavior. So it's not uncommon that you have a dysfunctional brain. Then you have the behaviors. Right. right. So if you any you take any of these historical definitions of addiction, you're going to have dependence, abuse, craving, withdrawal, and then all the behaviors. Mm-hmm. So you got to have a combination of you know you got a biological thing going on with the brain, and then you got all the the evidence, the behavioral right. evidence, you yeah, know, external yeah. stuff, right, right, right. right. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of, we're trying to uh, teach people how to how to be a little bit more. Uh, we got to treat people struggling, uh, people who struggle with substance use disorder, yeah, give them a little bit more dignity. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, addiction medical... certainly implies some sort of character, right. moral failing, right. And in a permanent state of yeah. being, yeah. too. And a lot of societies and countries uh, treat it as a legal issue. Mm-hmm. They, they, you end up in the legal system as much, if not more, much more than the mm-hmm. medical system. Absolutely. And sometimes it's the only way you can get medical care is to be part of the legal system yeah. first and then get medical yeah, care. Yeah, absolutely. But if you're if you, a, a, a dependent person in the Philippines of, of some sort of right. uh, substance, Here it comes. the comp, the, the, <laughs> the president. We were talking about Duterte. We were talking, oh, ago, Duterte. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Uh, so uh, please say it out loud because I think our, we need to appreciate yeah how so other countries yeah, operate. Th- this is how how uh misunderstood addiction is mm-hmm. and and how some people leaders of some countries um 
take advantage of people's uh, poor understanding of, of the, right. the condition, yes. right? Yes. So um, um, using fear of, of, you know, these these addicts are rapists and killers right. and yeah. whatever. Um, if you elect me, this is what Duterte sure. said, if you yes. elect me, uh, I will give you authority to kill without mm. any, you know. Due process. Right, due process, to kill anybody. And, and you know, j- just to compare, Marcos was... Um, uh, they claimed that he had about six thousand missing uh, mm-hmm. political, uh, you Dissidents know, or yeah, right, some murders. Duterte's uh, war on drugs. He, he the the peop, the the police and other people slaughtered twenty thousand people. It's unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and and many of those people are poor people, yes. right? And, right. and yeah. that, that voted for him because, right. yeah, right. and and right. and didn't and then didn't address really the the big problem is how these drugs come into yes. the country yes. and right. the drug lords and things like that. Yeah. And many of the politicians were you know uh, involved in in high level drug trafficking, yeah. you know, and they were spared. And yeah. and and the poor people were the ones that were the victims of this uh, drug yeah. war. And uh, they, they, um, and 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 basically, it's one way to to, to get to, you know to get to in, in power. Yeah, sure. So it was it was a terrible yeah. terrible thing. Yeah, I, and the United States we're we're still far behind in terms of how we see addiction yeah. and, and 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 drug use, et cetera. But it, we're much more about med- medicalizing it than we are right. in the legal system. And I have a friend who's a who's a judge and also has drug court and which mm-hmm. is separate and, and right. a lot of rehab yeah. Uh, options. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And that's still really just a, a development in the last twenty it, years. It, that's 20, correct. Maybe yeah, twenty five years. So that's just right. generous. Right. Yes, that's um. Wow. Yeah, we're certainly very uh-huh. lucky. So, um, okay, so we talked about, uh, so we're moving away from terms of addiction, looking more at um, ca- categorizing illness, substance use disorder, mm-hmm. alcohol use disorder, opiate use disorder, according to its severity. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess I do want to follow up with that question mm-hmm. about using medications, medical interventions to actually right. help with that treatment. Can yeah. you talk a little bit about the controversy and also it is. why it's it important? Is kind of, it's, 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 it's a hostile environment. Yeah. And, and it, it is a shame um, because I think everybody, they're on the same boat. Right. People right. want to get better. Yes. Um, same goals. Yeah, same goals. People want uh, relief from from this. Mm-hmm. Uh, for, you know, this people are suffering. They wake up and they're like, "I need a drink," right. or yeah. "I need I need Absolutely. something." They, they they need some relief from their from their suffering. Um, but historically, um, addiction has kind of taken a a unusual path uh, for pe- for for people to. Um, to, to, even now, I mean, if you Googled a uh, drug addiction expert near me, you might um, you might get something like uh, you've heard of Narconon. Sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, are you aware that the Narconon is uh, supported by the Scientologist? Oh, Darwin? really? Interesting. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So, so the sign. I mean, I certainly refer to Narconon. Right. Not not realizing, not understanding. Right. Right. So, um, and nothing against religions or, sure. or I mm-hmm. respect you know even right. the, the Church of Scientology but but if you go and see that they 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 uh, um, they admit that they're they're uh, they're uh, experts mm-hmm. uh-huh. well, they're not experts right, right, they, right, right. you know they're not experts but yeah. they, they they claim I mean, sure, I mean sure, sure, admit, sure. but claim that they you go through our our system yeah mm-hmm. and you might uh, be asked to come to a, a uh, you know a, a desert rehab where mm-hmm. you might get uh, sauna therapy and then mm-hmm. and and 
and nothing uh, evidence based. Nothing medical. Yeah. yeah. And there's been a lot of bad outcomes. Sure. Right. Sure. And, and so. Um, is this un- typically built around like a twelve step model? Um, a lot of it. Okay. A lot of it is. Yeah. And um, everybody claims to to have uh, you know the 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 answer to the addiction. Answer is right. And that's where we are in addic- in addiction medicine. It's very fragmented, and it, mm. it's it's unsafe sometimes. To I mean, you're doing your due diligence, looking for some experts, then you might end up uh, getting getting you know flying kites or riding horses, right? Yeah. And there's nothing right. medical uh, about that. A lot of his cash, and a lot of his all like of his uh, lot, uh, all of his cash, and yes. uh, a lot of it you end up in Arizona or Florida or wherever in these uh, in right. these kind of resort like yeah, beautiful places, correct? Yeah. And uh, yeah. forty thousand dollars a month, and that's right. Uh, yeah. That's completely right. removing you from the pressures right. of daily life that's and the right. realities that's of right. daily life. That's right. Yeah. And 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 even if you went to a place that sounds legitimate mm-hmm. and it's covered by insurance, you know, thirty five percent of the time you'll be offered medications. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's still not you're Fractional. not you're not getting you're not getting I what I did not know this. Yeah. So you might go to a place like um 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 Betty Ford. Mm-hmm. Okay. And uh for years they were against medication assisted therapies. Right. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know about seven years ago they came out with a press release and said, hey we're we're innovative. We are now uh, offering caught up, medications. Caught up, caught up. Well, how about that poor guy who spent like four hundred thousand yeah. dollars over and over and yeah. over at their places, and that guy was like, "Wait a minute, this has been approved since the '80s, right. and you didn't you you actually kept me sick." Right. Yeah. So if you took the principles of uh, medical legal uh, to the to the uh, sure. field of addiction, it doesn't ma- it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. You couldn't do that in medicine. Right. You couldn't do that in any other field. But we get away with it in so, psychiatry. I want to remind people: uh, President Gerald Ford stepped in after Nixon uh, uh, resigned, and his wife had an alcohol That's uh, right. problem. And for, because of her, she uh, the, she developed she helped f- uh, fund the Betty Ford Clinic up in, right. in Michigan. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's probably one of the oldest. Uh, addiction uh, yeah, as well. most as, reputable. Most yeah. reputable. And for you to say that they were finally getting around to doing medications for 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 for, for cravings, for relapse yeah. prevention, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Re- recidivism yeah. is what we're trying to right. do. We'll talk about that and stuff like yeah. that. It's un- I mean, I'm a physician of 30 years. This stuff, because this is how fragmented we are in the medical profession in general, I have to sit with Art here for him to tell me these things and for me to be still, my mouth to be dragging the floor yes. yeah. of how, uh, because we, we all talk about this stuff and we talk about rapid detox and all these things. And sometimes even the most basic of things are not even being done right. uh, within our profession. Uh, un- unbelievable yeah. how we're, we're misleading yeah. mi- millions of people. I mean, yeah. and th- there's there's the fantasy that you go into rehab and you're going to be perfect after 30 days. Yes. You can't. That's not, yeah. that's that's unattainable. Right. right. And if you have one slip, you're a loser. Yeah. Right. You know, so, you're, but we don't apply those same uh, expectations right. to diabetes, to or, diabetes or whatever. Any other disease. Any, any other no, no, cancer no. or anything else, right? So, so when, I, when I talk to our patients, you know, our interventions, whatever it may be, naltrexone or therapy or behavioral changes, is, is that's the medical intervention, right? Are our interventions going to prevent an early death? Right. That, I'm okay with that. that that's yeah. how Dr. Hadros practices. Sure, that's you know, right. Is this is Morbidity this crestor, is this crestor going to prevent an early death? Right. You got to make some changes too. But we don't we don't tell that to our patients struggling with addiction. Right. It's so you got to be perfect. Yeah. And if you're not perfect, you're a loser. Yeah. And that's 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 there's wrong. a lot of shame. And, there's and, a lot of shame and guilt. Yeah. Tons shame of those already before they cover to those. Yeah. There's a lot of overlaps. I hear you know just with general you know m- mental health 
issues that we see in our patients too with sort of going you know feeling that expectation on themselves for Mm -hmm. perfection Mm -hmm. um and then you know if they feel better for a certain amount of time and then have some sort of relapse that they feel extremely defeated and like they're gonna it's even worse sometimes to to get better than lose it and get better than lose it because you've spent money and a lot of Uh hopes and your family and friends are all and then as soon as it's like gaining weight and losing weight as soon as you lose people people make comments as soon as you gain it back yeah people don't know what to say right right right. and you feel isolated again even more so right Mm -hmm. right yeah, and it, it, it's also an obstacle for people to, to get yes. into treatment yeah. because if you if you if, if you can think about it, you're like, I want to I want to get treatment, but they're expecting me to be sober. I yes. can't right. be sober, yes. right? So I'm not going to go. Right. Yeah. And it's just hard, you know. I, I, and when people come into the to the clinic, and and um, and sometimes they're still drinking mm-hmm. or right. using and they're yep. intoxicated, I still high five them. Yeah. Right. Because you know up. how hard it is yeah. to show up? Yeah. Yeah. They can turn up. around at any time on the way up to the steps, pressing that elevator, and you know, they at any moment they can turn around, which pe- a lot of people have described. They're like, I, I sat in the parking because, lot. Because they wake up one morning and say, this is enough, I've had yeah. it, I've had it. And so they, there's a window when they they're open to 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 asking for help and yeah. accept, potentially mm-hmm. accepting help, mm-hmm. and then it closes very quickly. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. I mean absolutely. that's I mean sometimes it's hours later if they're yeah. not. Uh, yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. I, I I heard there was an ASAM study, and I don't know if it was when the uh, director said the average uh, uh, stay at a uh, mm. at a facility. Uh, for opiate use disorders one day. Yeah, that's yeah. unbelievable. Yeah. It, it, it's, they go in, they want, and then they change their mind. Right. Either yeah. they're not getting, you know, right. the, the, the care right. or... Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I want to ask a question then about about detox and withdrawal because I think that's yeah. a really... I mean, obviously people are terrified of going yes. through that. Yeah. Um, and then also there, there might be other people who think that they can soldier it themselves and do it at home completely mm-hmm. um unsupported can mm-hmm. you can you talk about that process and why it's such a, a, a medically and and psychologically vulnerable time yeah, period yeah for yeah, yeah for alcohol or, or opiates uh let, let's, let's say start, alcohol well, Is can, that okay? can you talk us we talk about addiction and then or or, or, or or uh use disorders and then so there's the acute detox and can you tell us the stages of 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 getting better with, yeah with sure, help. sure i mean sure, just, sure. just kind of the broad topic general to alcohol by far is by far people need to know this is by far the most used drug in the, probably in the world sure. uh, uh by far we think it's prescription and it ain't it's alcohol <laughs> it's alcohol alcohol by right, far right 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 and and his uh, just uh, during the pandemic interestingly oh, yes. enough we we saw and for years we saw 50 50 opiate yeah. cases yeah. alcohol cases kind of split right um, we saw almost exclusively during mm-hmm. the pandemic alcohol because yeah. we saw an increase in heavy drinking yeah. uh, oh. days in women, yep. yes. 41%, yes. and then men, 14%. It was easy to get alcohol. Oh, yeah. We would stay home. We can get delivered. Yes. Right? So we saw a right. lot. And it was the first time I've seen, I, I think I saw like three or four cases of Wernicke's. I had never seen Wernicke's since right. uh, residency. This is a type of encephalopathy that's uh, due to vitamin deficiency. Correct. Uh, because usually people are drinking or not eating. They're not eating. They're not getting their vitamins. And they get they develop this uh, this encephalopathy, this brain disorder yeah. that's acute. Wow. Yeah. What, are, what are the symptoms of that? How does that manifest? Confabulation. Okay. And oh. it's just confusion and wow. just memory because there's parts of the brain, the mammillary bodies that are just, they deteriorate. So, so confabulation means made up stories. Yeah. So there's a piece of the story that they remember. Another 
other piece they remember, but in between they don't remember. So they make up stuff that makes sense yeah. to link the first part of the story to the second. Wow. So they, it makes sense to them and it makes sense to us, but they've made up and you have to get a, yeah. a collateral information, yeah. corroborating yeah. information because they make up crap in yeah. between. Yeah, yeah. 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 And if don't you don't treat it, it, it can be terrible. It's, it's life-threatening know? type yeah. stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so for so we saw almost exclusively about 95% during the, the, the pandemic alcohol cases. Yeah. Yeah. And we were thinking, why? I mean, we knew that there were the overdoses of death for, for opiates have been going up. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. We weren't seeing any. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so we determined, and we found out, I th- you know, that the, the, the fentanyl crisis, that's another thing we can talk about, mm-hmm. is gotten so toxic and so mm-hmm. crazy out of control that they don't, they don't reach us. They wow. die. They're dying. They're there's, dying before there's, the not a, wow. there's not yeah. anything, there's no such thing as a chronic fentanyl yes, user. Yeah. Right, right, they right. eventually get some kind of bad batch and they die from it. Yeah. Now, we, we saw people addicted to uh, heroin for years, sure, right? Sure. Yeah. And uh, um, they would come in and get, get they treated. They could get HIV or hepatitis C or B or C, but they wouldn't right. die. Right, yeah. right, not, not, right. I mean, not at the levels of what you're right, talking about. Right, yeah. right, right. So, um, so in both cases, what, when you expose the brain to, to these chemicals, the brain changes, obviously, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And things happen and the, the, the rhythms of the brain uh, changes and the communication and when you take it away it, it all freaks out mm-hmm. you know there's an electrical and chemical thunderstorm and mm-hmm. you have withdrawal symptoms mm-hmm. right so uh, alcohol and benzodiazepines are very dangerous mm-hmm. you can lead to seizure mm-hmm. with opiates it's not as dangerous but it is painful yeah. very painful you can have diarrhea and vomiting yeah. and sweats just and sweats and pains right. and, and that's the biggest trigger for using mm-hmm. you know people because you can use right away they want to get well you want to yeah. get well they don't want to get high anymore right. they just want to feel normal right yeah. so in both cases there's brain changes right mm-hmm. yeah. so it's important to detox these people carefully sure. sometimes with m- medical supervision but what what we do wrong in a lot of facilities is detox and discharge yes mm-hmm. <laughs> and and people don't realize especially right. with opiates that the brain is is mm-hmm. if you detox it's clean okay but it's upregulated, yeah. and they're very very hyper hypersensitive mm-hmm. so you've heard these stories over and over again so and so was doing great must yeah. you know, right. and and was found in a hotel with a yeah. Needle in his arm. Right. Yep. Right. It only took a a, a, fraction. a, a fraction of what, what they, they were, were used before, to, yeah. mm-hmm. and they they honestly just fall asleep and pass out. Yeah. So it's Stop important breathing. that that when you detox, you you offer them you know protection afterwards. Sure. Mm-hmm. And so is that a medication? Is yeah. that being in, engaged in, in in some kind of therapy? Yeah. So what? And the f- medication would be naltrexone, buprenorphine, methadone. Right. You know, and there is there is an opinion whether or not uh, you know supplying them with replacement medicines right. is are you really sober? Sure. You know, so, you know, so in Canada and other places, they they give you they give you uh, is it heroin? Or heroin. Is it, heroin, is yeah, it heroin? heroin? Yeah. So you, heroin and clean needles. Yeah. Clean and needles so, exchanges. And so that they they uh, and the people stay alive. Harm that, that's right. Harm, right. Harm yeah. Reduction. So if right. you get your clean needles uh, from us, then. You have a chance. They're right. engaged right. for with therapy because every no, time you're not, you're not doing it. In, no, that's no. not the technique. That's a government. Other, yeah. Other, yeah, yes. Mm-hmm. So that's you know, we don't dispense heroin. Yeah. Uh, so, <laughs> so, but yes, but it is it is uh, it is in certain some uh, is it evidence based up there in Canada oh and stuff a, like absolutely that, that for harm reduction it, 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 it certainly. works. Yeah. And yeah. you know how much it costs it to to treat a hepatitis case? A million dollars. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So it's yeah. easier to. It's very cheap. Yes. It's cheaper to give people needles and then have them come in and and stop the spread of hepatitis and that was the thing um, a couple years ago I was asked to come uh, talk to the people in Indiana about they oh, had yes. the worst they had yes. the worst they had a cluster um, yeah. Yeah. yeah and they and because cluster. they you know their government were, were I guess State very government. Re, 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 uh, 
conservative sure. about uh, right. uh, yes. uh, needle exchange. Yeah. Um, they they um, they weren't they saw that spread so fast sure. and and uh, so I was asked to to talk to the governor. Um, so I got there, and the governor had just been asked to be uh, the running mate for the president. Oh, Pence? Oh, yeah, yeah. Pence. okay. But I did are. get to talk to some of the senators, and they were interested in some strategies because, yeah. and they eventually put the the needle exchange Exchanged. program, mm-hmm. Yeah. and it helped uh, decrease the, uh, right. the the spread of, of it had uh, the highest rate of HIV yes. in the world. Yes. Um, higher than sub-Saharan. Sub-Saharan yeah. Africa, Africa, which is hard yeah. to beat. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and it was because of, you know, uh, feeling deep feelings about you know yeah you know absolutely. and a lot of that people you're condoning so, drug yeah. use if right. you supply so, clean needles yeah. So, yeah so we want to differentiate evidence-based medicine is uh, uh, steps away from legal issues from ethical issues and from religious issues because this is the stuff that we works or doesn't work and this is and then and then this informs uh, families and informs uh, politicians about policy so policy is yes. not the same thing as, as science and and once again pol- and we shouldn't be uh, not automatically everything that's scientifically proven or mm-hmm. disproven should become policy mm-hmm. or, or et cetera. But, but we want to inform, we want to give the people in power and charge, parents, everything from parents to governors, uh, inf- evidence-based stuff that works and doesn't work. Mm-hmm. And then they, they can make choices from there, informed decisions that are well-informed. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. absolutely. Big difference. Sometimes this, the, the policies lag. Yes, right. yeah, almost, every, always, almost always. Yeah. Yeah. Almost always. Yeah. <laughs> or it starts off with a really, right. you know, counterintuitive mm-hmm. negative policy right. that has to be corrected. Mm-hmm. But yeah. mm-hmm. these are these are these are unbelievable stories. I'm sitting I'm sitting two feet away from you, and I'm I'm, I'm like yeah. I'm, I'm, it's pretty my ears are, are red, and I'm like I'm all flushed <laughs> in my face because I'm like I can't believe I'm hearing all this stuff. Yeah, it's, uh, it's it can a, be frustrating. It, you know? well, it's beyond frustrating. God bless you for sticking it out. Uh, but anyway, so we had we wanted to talk some more about what you do and how you do it. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, you know, we kind of talked about the the medical interventions. Can you talk about the importance of psychiatry um, in treating addiction and sort of the interplay with those? So, psychiatry and pain management, I guess. Like yeah. How those yeah. two things yeah. sort of okay. come together. So, substance use can often just be a, a form of self medication to is, deal with it those things. It is a symptom of perhaps yeah. other, other things, right. and, right. and we yeah. do a really good job at, at determining um, what. And, and so we 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 follow a few a few uh, paths that kind of give us the best shot at, 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 at helping the person reduce his, uh, his, his, his or her uh, suffering. Sure. So if you can imagine people come in, they complain of depression, right? Mm-hmm. So the first, the first thing is what type of depression is this? And it's very, very important because mm-hmm. there's a couple types of depression out there. So is it a uh, reactive depression from some kind of environmental thing? Is it a substance-induced depression mm-hmm. where, you know, the substance has caused vegetative symptoms of depression? Mm-hmm. Um, or is it a more malignant form of depression that's independent of any of this and can can uh, present at any moment, right? Sure. So it's the bipolar uh, manic depression. We used to call it manic mm-hmm. depression. Now it's, it's bipolar depression. And the importance is because all of them are going to complain of depression. Mm-hmm. And what we've done, um, you know... We, we've done a good job at, at talking uh, and screening for depressive, uh, uh, but I, mm-hmm. I, I, in my opinion, I think we feel feel like we've been over ambitious about uh, giving antidepressants. Sure. Mm. Okay, the SSRIs, the SNRIs. Um, that's just very personal uh, for, for me. And, and it's, the reason why it's important to figure out what bucket it is is because you can't give an antidepressant to a bipolar, bipolar. because that yeah. can prevent, uh, I'm sorry, promote more cycling. And when you cycle, you're going to be reaching for more drugs or alcohol, right? right. 
So it you just can't give everybody an antidepressant mm-hmm. because if you if you put one to five the top the top comorbidities psychiatric comorbidities associated with with substance abuse you have major depression at number five mm-hmm. which you have a two times risk of developing a substance, substance use disorder abuse. and then the anxiety disorders number four schizophrenia number three bipolar disorder mm-hmm. number two mm-hmm. uh seven times the the risk wow. and then adhd Wow. Number one. Yes. Yeah. So we missed one and two. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. if you if you just go by the statistics, you're going to have more people struggling with a more mm-hmm. malignant form of depression in your addiction clinic mm-hmm. versus somebody who has major depression. Yeah. And, and and really, I think major depression. Not really sure if we really should have called it a disease. Um, could have you know major depression based on um, DSM is is um, a cluster of symptoms. And if you had these cluster of symptoms for two, two weeks, weeks only, yeah. you get a diagnosis. Right. You get a diagnosis, you have an illness that yeah. can be translated into a code that can translate to an opportunity for medications. And then you go in through this therapeutic misadventure. Yeah. I talk about this misadventure all the time. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of people out there that go through this misadventure because we're not careful. Mm-hmm. And we don't, we don't, we, 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 we can, and, and now that, I don't know if, if you heard over the summer, uh, there's a very influential, uh, you know, group of researchers from uh, uh, um, molecular psychiatry that determined that this, this function in serotonin, either the serotonin level, the receptor, or the transport system, any dysfunction in the serotonin neighborhood has no influence if somebody's going to develop a depression or not. Mm, yeah. I know you heard about that. That's like telling a Catholic there's no God. Yeah, right. absolutely. Yeah. Yes. That, that's, right. that was <laughs> yeah. the most... For the last 40 plus years we've been talking about yeah. the monoamine yeah. uh, uh, Absolutely. Uh, it was one of the most influential theories we have in psychiatry it that is. put us on the map. But it now is. people are saying... Maybe there's, not. There's, maybe not. And, and so... I mean, there was a big study that was done by the by the government called the Star D Star D uh, trial that was done by the government. It was independent of any ph- uh, pharmaceutical influence, and they determined after four levels of of naturalistic uh, offerings of several different types of antidepressants, seventy percent were not in remission. Right. Mm-hmm. So yeah. what is going on? Yeah. I mean, that's what we see in regular psychiatry. I mean, yeah. we see people who come in and just haven't done well after four or five. Sure. Right. And so that or begs the best, yeah, that begs us to, 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 to ask, is this treatment-resistant depression? I think a lot of people would say treatment-resistant. Sure. They qualify for TMS, for ketamine, and right. all this stuff. Right. Or is it iatrogenic? Mm-hmm. Mm. Now, that's... A what do you t- mean by that? It means Help us that out with that term. <laughs> iatrogenic means that the doctor made it. Okay. You know, that it's wow. a doctor's fault. Yeah. You know, it was the therapies that the doctor... So did are we responsible for the disease? Wow. And the medicines. Yeah. Um, because we, we know that they don't work and we have all these side effects. Mm-hmm. We know that it's hard to get off these antidepressants. Right. Um, because of and one thing that the psychiatrists don't tell you is this terrible condition called discontinuation yeah, syndrome. Yes, it's a pain mm-hmm. and it's a pain. Sure it yep. I mean, it's hard to Brain get zaps, off. Brain zaps, nausea. You know it. There, there you go. Absolutely, yeah. I've lived it. Yeah, yeah it's terrible. And and that that you know, I usually tell my patients, I, I you know, I hate to give you more side effects. Yeah. and it's going to be hard. Why don't we do some talk therapy? There you sure. Go. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I mean, we gotta. We've got to learn how to develop coping skills. Yes. We're always reaching for a pill. We're always reaching for this. And that's why I feel that there's this very um, eager movement yes. to look for new new uh, therapies. Because the drugs. therapies we've had don't work right. very well. 
and and perhaps are they making things worse? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I mean, um, that's where I, I, I stand because I'm, I'm looking, I'm very, you know, and I'm not, I'm not a conspiracy theorist. No, okay? no certainly not. I look at, at evidence-based and I think psychiatry has been kind of protected and people are like, eh, they just kind of do what they do and it's kind of an art, right? Mm-hmm. They kind of, you know, mm-hmm. when they layer things on top of each mm-hmm. other, they know it. Mm-hmm. I think it's 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 a it's 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 a therapeutic misadventure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know the polypharmacy um, case that you we see over and over and over again. We certainly, whenever people come to us for ketamine, that's what I do for an hour and a half to talk to them about almost everything but uh, ketamine. Ketamine is yep. a small piece of it, uh, but, but to talk to them and usually you're right. Uh, the studies have shown if you've tried two SSRIs. Uh, no yep. reason to try a third. I mean, it mm-hmm. drops off very rapidly. Mm-hmm. If, if you've not been successful, it drops off very rapidly. You should not be trying a third uh, uh, signs. And the issue that we run into is that people have not been diagnosed with personality disorders or right. AD, ADHD yes. or trauma. Right. I mean, there's so many things that so are so many. Yeah. Things. That that uh, that end up where they're part being partially treated, partly mm-hmm. treated with SSRIs or it doesn't help at all. Mm-hmm. And then, and then they come here to us and we're saying, we, mm-hmm. there's other, yeah, there's other things. It's not that people have not tried That's and not right. followed through. It's just they're trying the, the, their paradi- best. the paradigm, the, the models that we've been using for, I said 40 years, and it's a lot more than that. since so mm-hmm. probably the seventies and, uh, uh, is that is probably wrong, probably incorrect or incomplete at best. Yeah, we have to look at incomplete it again. Incomplete is I best. Think so. yeah. I think we we did a good job in trying to encourage people to talk right. about their feelings. Right. Yeah. But then we got. I, I believe we just got over ambitious. Yeah, absolutely. With with offering you know pills and mm-hmm. you know I mean there is a form of depression yes. that you cannot right. avoid. Yeah. But, uh, you know, med- medicating right. yeah. uh, because that is a very serious type right. of depression. You know, of yeah, it's not it's not due to any trauma yeah. and anything else. Right. You can't change the genetics, no. and they no. and they can't get out just no. by they can't improve just by exercising and eating better. Right. right. Uh, so that you, those people have to be medicated. Right. 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 So we spend a lot of time uh, with our patients. I've certainly experienced this myself in man- managing my own uh, mental health issues. That there are. Um, the incredible importance of insight into mm-hmm, our condition, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, both our ourselves, what our triggers are, how how we think about things, how we respond to trauma, um, as well as the behaviors and coping skills that we need to engage in in order to manage those things on a day to day basis. So we obviously we see in our clinic that um, you know there are certain behaviors and insights that mm-hmm. people who do the best with right. ketamine or any other right. therapies that we could provide. They have those things mm-hmm. in place. Mm-hmm. I'm wondering what you see in your patient population for the types of insights and behaviors that people who eventually overcome or you know successfully manage their substance abuse or alcohol uses. So, so she's talking about the mental health and the behaviors, but I'm also talking about kind of the the, the environment. And I think we need to talk about this: the psychosocial environment. Sure, How, yes. What kind of support? What kind? Of, uh, what kind of? What kind of people are around you or that that help yeah. support you and stuff yeah. like that? So. I, I think um, our our staff does a, a wonderful job at at uh, respecting people as people. Yes, you know I think that's number one. Um, generally, we're a culture of we're, we're very impatient. You mm-hmm. know, so trying to have uh, them uh, uh, buy into to therapy is mm-hmm. is sometimes difficult. It's difficult, mm-hmm. absolutely. We don't force it, but mm-hmm. we say, hey, you know, mm-hmm. and and we we our program is three months, three six months long. So eventually. 
when we have that therapeutic alliance mm-hmm. with them, they start listening. So mm-hmm. our first, our first, they goal believe is, you, they yeah, trust you. Yeah, right. yeah. Right. And we want them to be uh, in a, a feel safe mm-hmm. Sure. because if we call them losers or we call yeah. them yeah. failures, we're no better than the other people around right. their lives, and they're yeah. going to run away from those zero, guys. Zero. Right. So uh, we do a pretty good job at meeting them where they're at, and then developing that alliance helps them kind of un, um, develop some insight mm-hmm. eventually. And mm-hmm. when they develop insight, there's always a, a chance for change. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so as long as they're they're engaged, mm-hmm. it doesn't matter if they're engaged and, and intoxicated, as long as they're, you know, mm-hmm. there and we're not going to uh, scream and yell at them, you know, sure. and they'll come back. Yeah. And they might take it. It, it, it is a process. Mm-hmm. Certainly. So, so it, it's it's uh, the alliance is important, especially in this group where always know, they, they they feel like they've been mistreated. And Absolutely, co- you know, highly and, skeptical. I'm sure yeah, of the yeah, medical establishment. Yeah. This is a way to get along with any patient. I mean, you right. you any any human being right. on this planet wants yeah. to feel safe and right. comforted. Right. They don't mind being challenged, but appropriately from somebody who cares. Right. They right. know they you really right. care about them before you challenge right. them about their right. belief or exactly. their perception. Exactly. You know, if you challenge exactly. them out the gates, they, they say screw you. And yeah. you're gonna you're right. gonna you're meeting an immediate. Need right. first, you're right. not saying, "Well, you have to do X, Y, and Z." You have to detox. Yeah, do all this stuff right. for right. me before I right. start helping you right. with your immediate right. symptoms. Right, right, right. You, you know, a lot of psychiatrists will not, like you said, won't talk to you unless you're a month clean and you know to mm-hmm. look at your ADD or ADHD right. or anything. You got to be off your pot, off your, all this mm-hmm. stuff before mm-hmm. I even talk to you. Because mm-hmm. in theory, they don't can't don't know what's happening in your right. brain if you're on all these drugs. Right. Uh, so that so it's this tension of. The psychiatrist wants to be efficient and effective, but the patient needs help today. Right, and so this this yin and yang, and yeah. sometimes it's separated by weeks to months. Yeah, if you yeah. can get in at all. And uh, yeah, and the like patient's that. frustrated because they, they're, 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 they're drowning. Know. They're drowning. They don't they're know dr- what to do. Right, it's like they told me to stop. Okay, that's yeah. hard. Yeah. Right, yeah. right. Yeah. That's why I'm here. Right. Yeah. How do you how do you guys try to manage manage that? That delicate dance uh, with detox. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. Okay, sure. so so with the with al- alcohol, the, the standard approach is benzodiazepines. Mm-hmm. We we uh, uh, support uh, them with other other kind of uh, fo- uh, symptom focused um, mm-hmm. medications. They can't sleep. Give something non narcotic to help them sleep. Um, so typically benzo for like three days or is it? Yeah, more? we it's start, like, we start with how bad their, 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 um, uh, and their history. Now, their if somebody's history, had DT, several, yeah. several DTs or right, seizures, right, right. we're a little bit more aggressive and we might right. even suggest maybe hospitals is the safest patient, place for right, you. Yeah. Right, right. But if they have a system at home that can be monitored and they can talk and do right. video, we do this at, at home and they can give us their, um, their vital signs and Good. everything. And, um, so benzodiazepines, anti-epileptics, we use gabapentin mm-hmm. and, um, you know. Uh, use gabapentin as prevention or you use it for anxiety or both, for both, prevention both. of seizures yeah, yeah, and anxiety? Yeah, wow. we, like, we like it at the, because it does, it does uh, both. It does both. Interesting. And there's a nice study that shows that gabapentin plus naltrexone has a more anti-craving effect for alcohol. So mm-hmm. they're already yeah. on it and, and they continue it. And it's a pretty uh, safe drug. They are pretty benign, yeah. Yeah, and there's, there is uh, some fear uh, with gabapentin uh, misuse, but I, that's if you use it with another sedative, you have yeah, a big, yeah. a more sedative so, effect. Yeah. And, sure. and Lots of people are already ta- using alcohol with their benzos yeah, anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But if you use it, um, you know, therapeutically, it's a very, very well, well tolerated medication. Do you like trazodone? I know this is once again. We we'll, we have a disclaimer. We're not giving people advice, medical course, advice. So yeah. It's, yeah. But you are you a big trazodone fan? I tend to find it great for my people coming off of alcohol. Yeah. Uh, but uh, but what, what do you guys? Yeah, like? no, no. We use a fair amount of trazodone. We just have to re- be. be uh, aware that trazodone um, is also an antidepressant technically right. in the wrong brain it, it can cause you know yes. it can cause them to fall asleep but it right. can cause more cycling 
So we're Cy- careful. Cycling means the by the manic depressive cycles, right? Which right. can rapidly cycle within hours, within, right? Within the right. same day, correct? Correct? Right. Correct? Being depressed yeah. and then yeah. being manic. Yeah. Right. And I know some of my sleep co- my sleep uh, colleagues they don't like trazodone for right. sleep. They don't. They don't because of the day after sedation, mm-hmm. and then yeah, you know they very just long. their right. uh, motor skills are kind of uh, not that great. But uh, you know, I think short term is 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 reasonable. Yeah. Um, and then, and then we, we transition them to a, um, um, you know, uh, a naltrexone perhaps, or another anti-craving medication. There's a medicine called Vivitrol, which is a once a month Mm -hmm. injection, which takes care of uh, the non-compliance issue. Yeah. And, and that is used for, for both opiates and alcohol. Okay. We do, we do a fair amount of, uh, Vivitrol in our clinic because not too many people do that. And, uh, it's covered by insurance and it's covered by Medicaid Mm -hmm. and it's just not, it's not. Is as accepted yet? It's why? Just, do, why do you think that is? Well, back to the uh, the argument that are, are we treating a drug? You know, a drug right, problem yeah. with yeah, the drugs. Trading, trading know, one for the other. Or, okay. or people should white knuckle through their their recovery. Yeah, or absolutely not. It, it's I, a you know, it's a it's a crutch. I, I, and and do you believe any any amount of white knuckling is acceptable? I'm going to say no from my standpoint. I'm only. Do you believe in any? We'll talk about alcohol. We'll talk about narcotics. Is there any amount of white knuckling to show your how how much of a stud or studette you are? Well, there's a little bit of uh, benefit when when people f- feel the pain of something and yes. they don't want to go back right. to exactly. it. Exactly. Yeah. Can yeah. be and instructive. So, so so we remind them, hey, you remember the last time you went to withdrawal? Yeah. So you, you right. don't want to go there. So you kind of right. remind them how, how tough it can be. Right. White knuckle, but no, absolutely not. You don't want to have people. Right. Uh, you don't want to give somebody uh, an aspirin after they have a heart attack. Sure. Yeah. Know? It's like, hey, let's prevent that. Right. Yeah. Right. So, because um, white knuckling means that the cravings are severe and that they tend to want to go to relapse instead right. of coming back to you and saying, hey, I need some right. more something right. else. They tend to go back to the right. drug of choice. Right. 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 Um, for opiates, we um, and something I didn't share with you there, but we we developed in two thousands. Um, we got FDA approved in two thousand seventeen, mm-hmm. but we had developed a a device, mm-hmm. a uh, cranial neurotransmitter, mm-hmm. that addressed the the uh, opiate withdrawal symptoms. Mm-hmm. So we developed this uh, device, and uh, in two thousand we put a, a study together and we published it. And in 2017, it was uh, cleared by the FDA. Mm-hmm. I think I saw a picture of this on your website. Can you yeah. describe what it's like for our listeners just so they can kind of get a mental image? Sure, of sure. The, the name of the device, now there's several devices out there yeah. right now. It's called, uh, the one that we developed is called the Bridge. Mm-hmm. And we we theorize, I theorize that, because um, uh, we, we the reason why I was thinking about this is because mm-hmm. um, we would we would detox people from opiates. Mm-hmm. And um, we... When I when I noticed that the the symptoms of opiate withdrawal was so uh, it was a it was a broad spectrum of symptoms mm-hmm. from anxiety mm-hmm. from diarrhea mm-hmm. from from sweating mm-hmm. from uh, all sorts of autonomic dysfunction all, yeah, yeah discharge uh, yeah right and so it was confusing because all this stuff was happening at, at the same time. But Dr. Tadros is right. It was an autonomic thing. Mm-hmm. I said maybe mm-hmm. is there a way we can mm-hmm. we can mm-hmm. flip. The, the autonomic nervous system mm-hmm. from hyper to to parasympathetic from sympathetic mm-hmm. to parasympathetic mm-hmm. right wow. and and what would be the mm-hmm. nerves involved in that mm-hmm. and uh, you know I had to learn all these cranial nerves again and the, the pain pathways I had to do this on my yeah. own at night and and we we thought we said okay 
um, the vagus nerve. Right. Yeah. The vagus nerve right. is the longest nerve in the body, starting mm-hmm. from the brain all the way down to the gut. Mm-hmm. Okay, that is the major switch in the body. Mm-hmm. If we could flip the vagus nerve from sympathetic to parasympathetic, we might get somewhere. Mm-hmm. So we also looked at four other, I uh, know, three other uh, cranial nerves. There's twelve, right? So we mm-hmm. looked at uh, five, seven, nine, and ten. They all had different um, uh, mm-hmm. uh, features, or, 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 or uh, um, but they came to they come to the surface at different places in your body. They were they were accessible on the side of the face and the mm-hmm. ear. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we right. carefully uh, placed these electrodes, uh, low level electricity mm-hmm. in in these places that mm-hmm. we, we we knew there was rich uh, nerve endings mm-hmm. of the of the vagus nerve, mm-hmm. and and the facial nerve, and and the trigeminal nerve, and we were might. Talk about your jaw dropping. When I yeah. first put it on somebody that was going through opiate withdrawal, they were screaming and yelling. And then they sat down, honestly, seconds after, and they, they, they said, how, how fast does this work? And I said, I don't know. You're the first person I put it on. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I called my friend who was in Vegas at the time. Yeah. And I said, I think I just witnessed medical history. <laughs> and I'm like, he just flipped over. Yeah. Yeah. And so I, I said, this can't. This, this is can't just this unbelievable. Yeah, this yeah. Can't be so we, we worked with a company and we made this prototype and we did hundreds of them and it just never got old. Yeah. It was the same thing. So wow. we, had, we used a sca- the scale called the cow scale, the clinical opiate withdrawal scale. And oh. that determines how bad somebody's going to, mm-hmm. you know, going to withdraw. Mm-hmm. The higher the score, the worse, right? The worse you are. So the, in our study, we had an average uh, cow score of, of, um, of 20. Mm-hmm. And when we put on the bridge... Uh, within 60 minutes, it went down 80, 85%. Wow. And then so people would walk out feeling great. Mm -hmm. I mean, my cow score right now is probably like a four. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So they were going down to uh, five, four, three, two, and sometimes one. And, um, and so that, that got them interested. It's like, wow, I just feel better. But it, that, it it didn't end there. We we would use, uh, you know, the, the, the typical, um, um, comfort medications, mm-hmm. and and that would be like a handful of different symptom focused medication like clonidine and, and and flexoril and just your you know whatever everybody's got different recipes for nausea for diarrhea you know for sleep, mm-hmm. and then we would transition and that's the the reason why we call it the bridge is we would bridge them onto Vivitrol, mm-hmm. and so we would detox them uh, quickly get them opiate free and then put in the Vivitrol. Now we got a whole month. Yeah. Now we can work with them. Yeah. The, the, there's choices in opiate withdrawal. There's there's methadone, buprenorphine, which is Suboxone, and, mm-hmm. and then Vivitrol. Right. They all work. They all superior uh, compared to placebo. Sure. Mm-hmm. If you leave that that opiate brain alone, they're going to relapse yes. and possibly yeah. overdose. So yeah. you got these are your choices. The problem with Vivitrol or naltrexone is you could not uh, initiate it unless they were completely detoxed, okay. right. or else you're going to throw crush, them into yeah. into crush them yeah. hard. Right. So we thought this was a great space. There's a lot of people who would prefer to be kind of opiate free and on Vivitrol, but mm-hmm. they just couldn't get to Vivitrol. Mm-hmm. Sure. Um, and so we we put this protocol together, and um, that's what we still do today. We get people. We kind of focus. We do a little Suboxone, um, mm-hmm. which is fine. Um, and, and it, it's a lifesaver for many people. And then now there's a, a, a month injection of uh, buprenorphine, mm-hmm. which is helpful as well. They mm-hmm. just get a monthly injection of, mm-hmm. of that. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's new tools out there, but that's what we're kind of known for here. Wow. For this, for this stimulator, do, do they leave it on or is it five to, days? Five days. Five days. Then you throw it 24, away. 24 hours a yeah. day and yeah. toss yeah. it. Wow. wow. Yeah. Yeah. 
It's amazing. This, I mean, these and are, the effects are, are long lasting, or long lasting enough in order to, to, to transition get them, to yeah, withdrawal. Yeah. Okay, right. Now that brain's not normal yet. Yeah, so there's yeah. something called post-acute withdrawal symptom, yeah. where, where you're free of this of the the chemical, but your brain's still trying to go back to equilibrium. Mm. So it's not talking completely at the same speed it was pre-morbid, right? Sure. So that's why people complain of insomnia, irritability. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. just they're just not feeling right. They're yeah. they're free. Uh, they're they're away from the dangerous part of detox, right. but they're just not feeling right. And that may be because of the, the substance itself. Right? Wow. That's pretty incredible. So there's a lot of work after you get the detox yeah. and, and, wow. and the Vivitrol. At least our recipe is you get them. We've got a month of Vivitrol. Now we mm-hmm. can start rolling up our sleeves and figuring out what's going on. Mm-hmm. Is there... Um, I, I, whenever, whenever I've heard that for narcotic uh, 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 use disorder these people have an issue for the rest of their life that they need to be on something potentially for the rest of their life. Is this true? And would, and, and the same thing with alcohol in the old days, we used to say once an alcoholic, always an alcoholic, you're just a dry, you're, right. you're dry, you a know, you, 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 right. you're, you're, you're always, you still have the, 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 the tendencies, the right. behaviors, mm-hmm. you're just not drinking. Right. Right. So right. can you, can I explain yeah, some there's, of this? There's a little truth to that, but it's, it's not that they're a dry drunk. There, there's, there's reasons why people are unhappy and looking for, for, for alcohol, right? Mm-hmm. So what we also do is we do genetic testing. Mm-hmm. It's getting kind of popular now. Yeah. Um, and it's covered by insurance, and, and and there's a couple companies that do a really good psychiatric panel of profile. So this is not just pharmacogenomics for uh, the drugs and how they interact with your enzymes in your body. Is it? Is that that's half that's of it. part of it? Yeah, okay. that's half of it. There's another piece that I have yeah, not heard about. Yeah. Then so okay. that's that's Please called the pharmacokinetics, me. how your body uh, metabolizes drugs. Okay. Right. Sometimes it's helpful. Um, yeah, I don't what, find it's very helpful. Yeah, yeah. Right. What, what I I uh, focus on is the pharmacodynamics. It's mm. how a certain drug. Uh, will respond to you. Interesting. So there's there's things that can bre- uh, predict response to naltrexone. Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, there's a gene called OPRM1, which means that they've got this one opiate gene that just kind of acts a little different. And when you tickle it, you get a, a more reward uh, kind of mm. response. And you kind of like the alcohol or opiate. Mm-hmm. So you're at risk for liking these things, right? Gotcha. Um, but if you block it with naltrexone, you have a more anti-craving effect. Yeah. So, super, so it's a good and bad right. thing. So right. if we identify that, we can say, oh, now it makes sense that yeah. your brain likes alcohol. But guess what? As long as you're on, you're going to have this, this, this uh, exaggerated kind of anti-craving effect where people say, it just turns off the lights for me. That's mm-hmm. incredible. Yeah. Because they can, <laughs> they can dose it before they go out to ha- to dinner with friends and yeah, stuff. They and they could. have zero, they don't have a craving. Yeah. They, well, even even yeah, though there's triggers all around them. Right, right. The cra- Because, it, you know, just looking at the visual cues can sure. can stimulate Absolutely. this whole process of, of yeah. endorphin release. And you're yeah. like, oh my, I'm yeah. salivating. You're salivating for, for yeah. uh, the drink, right? Yeah, yeah. So we, that's one. And then there's one thing. If I didn't do anything except psychiatry, I, there's this one uh, signal that I that's really revolutionized the way I've treated depressed patient, mm-hmm. and it's it's uh, MTHFR. I don't know. Oh if you've yeah, ever sure. Heard of that. Yeah, methyl tetrahydrofolate reductase. There you go. Yeah, yeah. and for uh, it's the Monday Thursday Friday gene. Yeah, okay. MTHFR. <laughs> <laughs> I've never thought about. I've never thought about that. Yeah, for us, uh, good Catholic boys. That's how we do it. Um, so. Um, and and really, it's it's a very old signal, and it's yeah. very cheap to do. I mean, if you wanted to do it yeah. for blood, it 
you know, 20 bucks if you want to do it from a, from lab. But it, it's, it, it points to a deficiency in how you res, you break mm-hmm. down folic acid. Folic right, acid is yeah, a right. B vitamin, right? So folic acid br- gets broken down to L-methylfolate. Mm-hmm. And L- the methyl part of that methylfolate is needed as a methyl donor for DNA to do its stuff. Mm-hmm. It needs a power supply, right? And if mm-hmm. it doesn't have it, some of the, the stuff in the DNA won't happen. Mm-hmm. You know, translation and transcription, right? That's why we give a lot of folic acid mm-hmm. to our pregnant uh, mm-hmm. patients mm-hmm. because we don't want this process to 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 be breaking down while they're producing your right. life. Yeah, absolutely. And if you and that's and it prevents you know neural tube the defects, defects right, uh, yeah. miscarriages and things like that. Right. Now, if you had miscarriage after miscarriage mm-hmm. after miscarriage, your OB may uh, order an MTHFR sure. on on top of other things. And I've right. talked to some OBs and they don't feel like it's been. Uh, a slam dunk anymore, but historically that's the story for MTHFR. Mm. Well, you take that process to to uh, synthesis synthesis of neurotransmitters. So the theory is those same the same uh, retarded process in developing serotonin, um, the dopamine, and and norepinephrine that's wow. important for neurotransmission. There's there's a deficiency there. Mm. So um, what I have discovered. And it was it was one one patient, and I threw everything at him at ECT, and, mm-hmm. and and nothing helped. I said, I don't know what else to do. There's mm-hmm. something in the closet, and he responded like that. And I'm like, wow, what is that? I thought it was mania because it was mm-hmm. so clear. Yeah. And no, but it was sustained, mm-hmm. and so the MTHFR wasn't uh, available back then. So I asked him to do a uh, 23andMe, and he was mm-hmm. MTHFR. And then and then I started testing everybody. Mm-hmm. MTHFR is pretty common. It's about 30 or 40% in the general population, depending on... Not necessarily homozygous, but they're just abnormal. Right, it's just right, right, right. Heter- one. Heterozygous, yeah, heterozygous, right? Yeah, yeah. Right. So, so if you're a carrier for this gene, it means that you're that you're going to underproduce this L-methylfolate? Is yes, that yes. What the issue is? And, and okay, I, think, okay. I think there's about a dozen different MTHFR yeah. um, alleles. alleles. Or, yeah. So there's a few that's associated with the serotonin mm-hmm. story, right? Or Got it. neuropinephrine and neurotransmitters. And um, it's very common in the in the general population. Mm-hmm. And when I started testing, oh. it was like eighty or ninety yeah. percent, and it was a clear separation. And I'm like, are we getting this biased population yeah, to, to biased, come right. to come in to the clinic that really mm-hmm. they have this? Mm-hmm. And so I learned a lot of things over the years. Uh, when somebody was on an antidepressant, and I put somebody on there. The the the, the response wasn't as robust. Yeah. Um, I, I typically will introduce L-methylfolate before anything and wow. see how Which far we get. Deplin. Deplin is one of them. Yeah. Deplin is one of the ways to. It's all it's all the L-methylfolate. Yeah. L-methylfolate. Right? Yeah. So and these some, are super high doses too. Yeah. Fifteen. Fifteen yeah, milligrams. 15, yeah, yeah. 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 The only thing that's available over the counter is I, I believe one milligram. One, so one you have to take half the bottle every yeah. day. Wow. Yeah. These are. Yeah, and and it has it really has transformed my general psychiatry uh, population. Yeah, I mean I've I've been uh, sparing a lot of antidepressant therapy and a lot of them using just Just L-methylfolate. Just by itself. Yeah, L-methylfolate, and I use it for people who are diagnosed with bipolar and anxiety. Even if they have, if they have the deficiency, I'll start it. Right. But it doesn't work on everybody because it doesn't make you feel better. You yeah. just don't feel you don't feel anything on it. Sure. So what people you say, you they feel like things are uh, rolling off their shoulders a little bit more and they're right. less reactive. Yes. Right. And it could be they don't really very you know, subtle, just subtle. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then when they stop it, they're the more you know just more mm. uh, antagonistic or aggressive, whatever. Yeah. But they kind of you know take a, you know a step back and 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 recognize that it's they don't feel it, but it is working. So that's, that's one signal. Incredible. 
And then, and then there's a signal that I've always, I mean, we learned in medical school, COMT, yeah. the comp gene, where it, that describes um, how we metabolize dopamine. And some people metabolize dopamine way too fast. Okay. So if you can imagine somebody has MTHFR, low levels of dopamine, the low dopamine is getting gobbled up too fast yeah. with, mm-hmm. uh, with COMT. That's double trouble. Yeah, and so that dop- supercharges their craving for. They're yeah. looking. Yeah. They're looking for environmental sources okay. for dopamine yeah. endorphin, wow. and and they're a little hyperactive. Yeah, mm-hmm. and and that's why when we give dopamine to hyperactive people, they became they become normal. Yeah, right? mm-hmm. so you got to get that sweet spot. If you go too much, then you get hyper. If you're too, too low, you're hyper. But you need the sweet spot. So um, that goes back to the dopamine uh, theory of addiction, where we thought that there was this one gene signal called DRD2 that was the addiction gene. Mm. It was a reward deficiency syndrome mm. where people had DRD2 deficiency in the dopamine neighborhood. They're looking for dopamine and that leads to endorphin. Or no, uh, obviously the, the backwards. Uh, endorphin leading to dopamine and then reward. Mm. So that if, if you can imagine... Uh, these endorphin junkies looking mm-hmm. for whatever it could sure. be, it could be jumping out of airplanes right, or right, wheelies. Right, 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 Those right. have to be drugs. They're right. getting they're getting into that sweet spot. Mm-hmm. Now, if the brain kind of discovers alcohol or cocaine or marijuana, even they they're like, ah, that's a that's a real easy, mm-hmm. fast way to do it. Mm-hmm. And 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 really, it's their do- dopamine deficiency. Mm-hmm. Right. So the genetics tells us it gives me a head start, he- uh, total head start. He- to go, right. Yeah. No, none of these, and this is important because no, no one test tells you everything. That's why we still have to talk to the patient, yeah. observe the patient, talk to their relatives and stuff and about behavior, past history. It, because we still, I don't have to ask a, a person with a heart attack about everything. I can look at their numbers. I can look at their cath. I can look at their echo. Mm-hmm. And I can understand some stuff about them. But psychiatry, you still have to talk to the patient yes. in addition yeah. to the the the, the uh, pharmacodynamic yeah, uh, stuff. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And and there's this this uh, I I I I I want to trademark this this term <laughs> called therapeutic misadventure because mm. it's something that's oh that I have patients who come to me for the first time, and 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 to your point, Doctor Hadros, you have to talk to the patient and you expect the patient to talk to you about their mm-hmm. But there's a lot of people in psychiatry who come to, you know, they're forced to see the doctor and they don't want to talk yeah, mm-hmm. because right. they've been kind of right. through this misadventure. Yep. Yeah, sure. And they've been they just do not want to talk. I had this patient early in my career who uh, came to, with the caseworker for like three or four months, did not talk to me and just mm-hmm. refused to talk. Mm-hmm. And she wasn't mute. She wasn't, you know, mm-hmm. um, had any kind of uh, cognitive issues. She just thought, ah, I'm the eighth psychiatrist. They have put me in the hospital right. so many times. They've, I'm here with my caseworker. Yeah. Again, I, have to be, I, have to I can't here. trust this person, and they're not going to help me. No, no. Yeah. Why should I talk? You know, yeah. I'm here. If I don't go to the doctor, I'm going to have my kids taken away or something wow. like that. Mm-hmm. And it happens a lot that there's this mistrust. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and it's because they're 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 victims of this therapeutic misadventure that yeah. happens all too often here. Absolutely. You're yeah. an example of somebody who thinks about the patient, thinks about the context, mm-hmm. still does high-tech stuff within psychiatry, still does high-tech stuff, and still thinks about the patient again afterwards, not just after the high-tech stuff, but kind of kind of pieces it all together and gives people a sense of comfort uh, that, that you're on, you're in this, you're yeah. stepping in the yeah. shit right. with them, you're stepping yeah. in the mud with them, yeah. and yeah. you're going to help dig them out, you're not going to sit 
shouldn't wall together forever, yeah. mm-hmm. but that you have a, 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 a deadline, a, a, you know, you have mm-hmm. something you yes. want them to be better, not just to, just to barely hold on to dear life, but right. you are going to get them better right, right. with their help and uh, some other, some yeah. other techniques. It, it's, it's synergy when you put right. everything together. Synergy, yeah. It's in synergy. Yeah. Said. <laughs> I know well, we've you. got to wrap here in just a second. I wanted to ask you just one last question. You mentioned marijuana there at the end. Mm-hmm. We see that a lot with our yeah. patients, a lot of self-medicating with marijuana to... to Not only a lot, it's actually fallen off the radar screen yeah. where people just say, okay, just don't use too much marijuana and then you just move on as if it's not a problem. And this yeah. is even people with developing brains, uh, mm-hmm. you know, still, uh, yeah. even though it's become legal for pleasure, still mm-hmm. not legal for under 18? I, I don't yeah, even know what the... 18, I don't even know. Uh, or 21 now, 21? I think. 21, yeah. 21, so... Yeah. But it's a, it's a humongous deal. And I've talked to a therapist out in Colorado where they've been mm-hmm. doing it for a lot mm-hmm. longer. Mm-hmm. And she says, you know, she's a therapist. She's not a psychiatrist. She says, listen, I tell the parents for these kids, I said, listen, you're paying us this much money to do this, but they're smoking, you know, right. three times a day, five times right. a day. You know, you're going to have to help us here. Uh, but could you talk like uh, more about marijuana and what, what, is, what it's doing with our population and the population that you see? Yeah. Because people how does it doing... complicate what you're trying to do? Obviously. Yeah. Marijuana, cannabis, cannabis has an interesting history. I was asked to do a, when it first uh, got uh, uh, authorized for medical marijuana, mm-hmm, the mm-hmm. Missouri, Missouri. Missouri uh, Psychiatric Association asked me to, can you teach us about Something. What, right. what this is? What yeah. do we have to look for? And um, it has a very interesting history. It really does. Going back to the, uh, when, when uh, the, the colonial um, mm-hmm. uh, visitors came sure. here and, yeah. and they were expected to have uh, land for tobacco and land mm. for hemp. Mm. And um, you couldn't do that unless you had hemp and tobacco. Mm-hmm. And then you and you gave taxes to the, the motherland and mm-hmm. you know, the whole revolution. England, stuff. So, yeah. and, and, um, but it was part, it was part of um, life. Yeah. And, and it, I mean, for eons and eons. Culture. Yeah. yeah. I mean, even in, in, uh, in um, I don't want to say prehistoric Chinese history, but uh, way back in those mm-hmm. those times, in, in the you know the, the dynasties. dynasties yeah. Oh gosh, right. uh, evidence of hemp being used as a you know a, a common common uh, tool for we have lots ca- of stuff. We have cannabinoid. We have a cannabinoid receptors in our brain too, yeah, and stuff like that, yeah. which is which yeah. is important. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, I mean, which is I think people that there is something that receives the stuff yeah. that you could smoke right, or eat right, or whatever. Right, right, which right. gives us another question. But please go yeah, on. No, please. And then and, and then something happened in in the, in the nineteenth century where. Um, people in government here in the United States were threatened by the hemp uh, industry. Mm-hmm. And the yeah. people who were in power that made the, uh, uh, the, 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 the people who were involved in the timber industry mm-hmm. that, that uh, made paper and mm-hmm. the newspapers, they all kind of mm-hmm. got together and said, we got to put this down. Yeah. And then they, they came up and they, uh, they kind of vilified uh, marijuana. Sure. And it was, it was a lot of... Um, uh, racist overtones, yeah, undertones uh, with with, uh, with with that movement that which led to the Dangerous Drug Act, yep. mm-hmm. which which led to the categorization of marijuana being uh, Schedule, Schedule, Schedule one. one, and you know it, it's it's confusing. Yes, yes. because right. you sure. saw Bill Clinton say, "I, I did it, uh, but yeah, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't inhale." inhale. Right. And then years later, Obama said, "Well, yeah, I inhaled. Wasn't that the point?" Yeah. So so there was a change in in public opinion. I mean, quickly, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. And then we're seeing it now. Oh, I mean, dramatic. I never thought yeah. I would ever see. Um, you know, almost a celebration of, of 
paraphernalia and yeah, and, and, and yeah. whatever. And it wasn't because physicians were banging on state capitals saying, please let uh, legalize yeah. this stuff. We, our patients need right, this stuff. Right, it was right. not because physicians no. led the, led no. the, most physicians led no. the charge. No, no, right. it was, it took right. a, a different a, a path. A, yeah. a sociocultural it correction. It was, yeah. right. It was, right. Right. it was so, very much so. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the stance for ASAM and the, the APA mm-hmm. and the AMA mm-hmm. is, we, we've got to really monitor this. Now we're yeah. living with it. Yep. Right. You know, we've exactly. got to talk about the risks. Right. We've got to talk about everything, just like alcohol, just right. like sure. opioids, right. whatever. Sure. Um, it just took a path, a, a, a uh, unscientific path. Yes. For, Very for, smart, so. You right. know? And so th- there's a lot of uh, you know, questions for us. I mean, right. if, I, if I supported mar- medical marijuana to a patient, recommended that, and that patient becomes psychotic and jumps off a bridge, mm-hmm. is, is my medical malpractice going to yeah, cover that? Right, yeah. right. You know, medical malpractice are not, you know, they're going to say, well, yeah. no, it's it's federally illegal. Right, right. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But we're saying, well, it's, it's right. legal. It's, de- so it's de- decriminalized, yeah. but it's federally yeah, it's illegal. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So it didn't take the, the normal path. No, it did not. And there's, it, there's, the worry is there's going to be more bad outcomes. Right. And sure. we have to take, uh, you know, we have to educate our patients. Uh, and most of my patients um, are using marijuana and 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 still having symptoms. Yeah. And it's mm-hmm. it's a struggle to get them to understand, hey, maybe this is contributing yeah. to the right. symptoms. Anxiety. Right. Anxiety, anxiety, especially, mm-hmm. because a lot of them think it brings down their anxiety. But if they're smoking regularly, that yeah. can jack up their yeah, anxiety. Sure. Yeah. It, right. It's still you know, a moving target. It depends on the strains and, right. yeah. and everything. So supercharged yeah, now in terms of the strains as opposed to what was available in the 60s and 70s so yeah certainly it's um yeah it's a whole different ball and game. we're seeing i mean i've uh recommended people to the uh, to the hospital i mean over over the last 10 years for f- psychosis from, from and we never used to see that no yeah. right yeah. Now, now we're seeing a lot of it yeah know? i mean i never I, whenever i somebody comes to, and i say please you know decrease your marijuana or they want to decrease it i don't know you can't send them to aa you can't it's not not a narcotic so they kind right. of fall they kind of fall in the, in the right in the gaps between the, right, right, the timbers right, here right. about where to yeah. send them to yeah. help them because it's very psychological it's not physically addicting but it's psychologically addicting well now it's considered to be uh there is a mild withdrawal from it now oh. and we, yeah. we we consider it and it's it's considered to be a, a, a drug of abuse because of of a, uh, of a withdrawal syndrome. Yeah. What are the, what's the withdrawal? I'm I'm naive. Uh, Anxiety, de- uh, yeah. depression. Uh, okay. You know, the, we used to call it uh, jonesing. You know, mm-hmm. I don't well, know the, yeah. the, the, okay. and so you're looking for it. Uh, yeah, jonesing, and and right. you're you know you have kind of you know a hyper right. uh, you know kind of. Uh, active, uh, you know, you're looking for it and you just can't sure. can't get it right. off your mind. So you drug, you have a drug seeking yeah, behavior, yeah, yeah. Cra- cravings, yeah, 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 and it, it's so powerful now. You know, yeah. the, the marijuana is so powerful. We, we've touched on on a broad. I feel we can go 600 different directions. Yes. Art, you're, you're like you're like a godsend. Uh, I, I mean, uh, I could talk you know, all day long. Well, the problem this, is, yeah. I want more people. If I if I'm interested in this, and I yeah. even don't know about a fraction of some of the stuff you talked about, I can guarantee you, other internists. I'm an internist by training. Other internists have no clue, not even close to what they need to know. Just even to point people in the right direction or warn them whenever yeah. they go to the to Google, you know, mm-hmm. detox or rehab and mm-hmm. stuff like that. Uh, we, I think a lot of people because they're belong a lot of medical 
professionals because they belong to medical groups. Mm-hmm. They tend to stay within within the, the right. family. They're under one roof, whether it's BJC or SSM or or Mercy, it's, uh, 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 et cetera, St. Luke's. I want to name. I don't want to leave anybody out. <laughs> uh, uh, but anyway, uh, so I uh, so I, I I hope that you your word because I see you on LinkedIn uh, and I I want more people to hear. If I'm interested in hearing, I want everybody else to be interested like I am. I want everybody just to be just like me. yeah. That's my interest. Yeah. Well, thank you so, very much. Oh, this of course, thank you. So, thank you so much. So so kind. Of course, thank you so much for joining us today. Again, our guest was uh, Arturo Taka, addiction and psychiatry specialist. Um, of course, as always, if you want to get involved with the pod, give us any feedback. You can always email us at notyourdocpod at gmail.com. Please visit us on our website, notyourdoc.com. Of course, this is going to be available on YouTube and Spotify. We will share it broadly with our people. We're I'm looking talk to everybody. For, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, what an informative, helpful, empowering conversation. Thank you so much for sharing your Thank thoughts you with us you. today. Yeah, right. fun. Thanks, Dr. Tadros and Seth. I'm Vanessa. We will see you next time. Bye-bye. This previous podcast represents my opinions and the opinions of my guests. This is not medical advice, and I'm not establishing a physician-patient relationship with any listener. The content here should not be taken as medical advice. The content here is for informational purposes only, and because each patient is so unique, please consult your healthcare professional for any medical questions that you may have.